Views and opinions expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of their employers. This podcast may not be suitable for children. Adults may find details triggering and or offensive. Listener's discretion is advised. What do you want to say to Joe Byron right now? Take me to dinner. Hey, yo. <laughs> this is a true crime podcast. It's not that kind of Bing podcast. bong. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Priscilla. And this is Norma. And you're listening to It's, it's a Mystery, mystery for, for Me. me. Another Tuesday, another episode of It's the Mystery for Me. Welcome back, y'all. You don't want to say nothing, Norma? I thought you were still talking. No, I mean, I paused, clearly. Okay, welcome back. (laughs) I heard people were looking for me. They want to see my face. They want to see your face on social media. I have fans. No, really. People want to see you. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I, I, I barely post. That's what it comes you down don't to. post and your page is on private is it not that is true and i usually post once a year if that if even that yeah you're just not much of a poster like if you post something it's on your story and it's because i forced you to do a dance or something mm-hmm. but people want to see your face they want to be able to put a face with a name they could do that with me because i'm super active on social media I'm definitely very active on TikTok on my personal account. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you like how many people have commented on my videos randomly like, hey, I listen to your podcast. I recognize your voice. And it's really funny, kind of trippy, but it's hilarious. I mean, we'll see. Maybe I will post something. I, I don't know that I'm going to take my account off private, though. I no, I don't think you're going to take your Instagram that. off private because you're just not like that. No, but I I put it on private because of employers, you know, being in law school, they tell you you should do that. Why are you looking at me like that when you said that? I'm just looking at you. Oh, okay. Not for any reason. Actually, my Instagram is on private right now. Just As it should be. Well, my TikTok isn't. So y'all can follow me on TikTok at Legally Priscilla. And definitely follow the show's um, TikTok as well, the podcast TikTok, which is at It's the Mystery for Me. So all of that to say, we're going to try and get Norma's face on TikTok or on some sort of social media platform so y'all can see what Norma looks like. I'll try. And see what her personality is like. I'm just a little low-key, down-to-earth. Low-key, a little conservative. Pretty face, nice height. Wears all black like her soul. Or gray. Yeah, depends on the day. Damn, I'm wearing black right now. Yes, you are. Okay. Did you see my wardrobe, though? I started wearing, like, neutrals, blacks, like... You're getting on my level. I get it. But I love you color. You came over to the dark happened. side. I don't know what happened. I rubbed off on you. I guess so, unfortunately. So, Anyways. Fortunate, fortunately for you, actually. No. Well, for my work wardrobe, yes. But for my, like, real-life wardrobe, it's very sad. Very, very sad. I'm going to have to throw in a splash of color. Well, at least I can borrow your clothes because it's actually things that I would wear. Anyways, on to the next topic. Thanks for tuning in again, guys. We have, I think, this Tuesday's episode and then next Tuesday's episode. At least two. Yeah. One other episode. Maybe. Okay. I think we have two other episodes after this that we're going to do. There's one week that we're taking off. I don't know For if it's Christmas, Christmas week. Oh, okay. It kind of depends on what you want. Sorry, our dog is barking in the background. Maybe we should get him. Yeah. He barks when we put him in the room. And it's like, if I don't put him in the room, you're going to hear him walking around because the mic picks up his feet. But there he goes. Hold on, y'all. Okay, we're back. And now he's laying under my chair. And hopefully his you know, breathing does not get picked up. So let's talk about what's in the news right now. Have you heard about the 
15-year-old who shot up his school. He killed four students. Mm-hmm. Sure have. Ethan? Yes. Yes. Him. They're talking about giving him life in prison. And we literally just did an episode on whether or not, uh, you know, someone under 17 or 17 and under. That's true. Could get life in prison. And they're charging him as an adult. They are. They're using that discretion. Hey, they charged Dion as an adult, right? In last week's episode. That was a thing. So basically, could he get life in prison without the possibility of parole? The answer is yes, he can. Mm -hmm. All the Supreme Court has said is, yes, it is unconstitutional to give someone who is 17 or under at the time they commit the crime a sentence of life without the possibility of parole. It is unconstitutional. However, if the judge takes time to actually like think about the decision and consider the person's age and then says, okay, actually I considered it and you still got to go to jail, life in prison, no, no parole, mm-hmm. then it's okay. And it's not unconstitutional. Isn't that crazy? It's actually insane. So, so. insane. It's such a broad standard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do I think that he should go to prison? Absolutely. You know, he took four people's lives. Like, he needs to go to prison. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm fascinated about, like, the law. Yeah. And I'm interested to see how it's going to shake out. Because we all know the Supreme Court, they need to clear up that standard. It's too broad. They do. The judge has way too much discretion. They need to come up with but factors the Supreme Court or something. Was basically, like, uh, we don't want to handle this. You handle it, right? You know, case to case basis. Right. And what's going to happen is another case is going to have to go up to the Supreme Court for them to clarify, like, what do you mean by like the judge taking into account the age? Like, that can mean so many things. Can a judge can't can a judge say like when some someone comes up for resentencing for example let's say a murder happened like in 1980 and now they're up for resentencing can't that judge say like well i i considered their age at that time even before the ruling exactly that's what and that argument was being made in another episode i watched of that show kids behind bars and the argument the defense attorney made back was how could you have really done that if miller versus alabama didn't happen until 2012 but the judge is like, well, you know, it's a broad standard. Mm-hmm. How do you know I didn't do it? Right. It's crazy, y'all. Wow. So, I mean, well wishes to the families and friends that lost someone, you know, mm-hmm. in that incident or was, you know, or was traumatized by it. You know, I can't even imagine being in the school when that's happening. Mm-hmm. In podcast related news, we actually got an email that. We were ranked within Apple rankings in Belgium. Oh, yeah. You told me this. It was, yeah. yeah. I was just like, wow, that's so random. But it's, it's cool to make a list. I don't know what number we were, guys. I think we were like 70-something. But I was okay. like, wow, we ranked. That's pretty dope. That's really cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yay to us. And, of course, to you guys. Because if you guys didn't listen, we would not be ranked in Belgium right now. Very so true. We appreciate y'all. CrimeCon is still happening in Vegas in April of 2022, and we are still planning to go. So if you guys want our podcast represented at CrimeCon, we encourage you guys to DM CrimeCon. It takes a second to do that. Or just drop a comment on one of their posts, right? And just say you want to see us there. You want to see us represented there and tell them why you like the podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Definitely. Okay, now that we're done with podcast-related news and on-related news, let's talk about today's episode. Um, Today's episode is a murder case, and it is solved. So there is that. But it is a very twisty case. I came across it while watching, like, just browsing through shows on Discovery+. Plus. And it's actually Sonny Hostin. No, actually, I think it's Hostin, how you say it. Yeah, I think it's Sonny Hostin, because she said it on the show. Now I'm thinking about it. I wrote it down here. But she has a show that I didn't know she had. And it's about, like, murder, specifically. Oh, I think it's called The Truth About about Murder. Is Sonny, um, was she part of The View? Yeah, she's on The View. Okay. And fun fact, when I was in law school, I won an award 
for like diversity and you know for being a top law student of course and guess who was sitting at my table sunny like right next to me yeah i remember Remember? yeah so sunny actually used to be a federal prosecutor many lives ago so really cool stuff and i know she lives in westchester because we talked about that for a second but she probably don't remember me but anyways well she might now Maybe she, she does If she now. tunes in. Yeah. You know. Yep, yep. So, yeah, I was watching a show, and um, her shows in particular, and I came across a case, and like I said, it was a roller coaster ride. I was not ready for all that happened. So definitely buckle up for this one, y'all. Before we dive deep into that, I forgot to mention last week I kind of did mention this last week, but I ended up cutting it out of our podcast episode. But when I was in law school, I interviewed a judge and it was for a class. And basically I had to interview him about his toughest case that he ever sat on. He happened to be a criminal law judge and he happened to be doing a resentencing hearing for someone who had committed a crime when they were like 15 years old. And he put me on the spot and he asked me, if I thought that he should let him out. Didn't you already talk about it? I just said I talked about it last week and I cut it out the episode, so I'm putting it in this episode. Oh, okay. I was really... You had such a bewildered look on your face. Pay attention. I didn't hear you say that. Wait, what does Danielle Staub say? Pay attention, Teresa. God. I am paying attention. I was... But I was still hella confused. Okay. Anyways... Yeah, the judge asked me my thoughts on that case, and I, I mean, the case was pretty gruesome. I don't want to, like, give away too much because I don't want to, you know, you guys to figure out the identity of the person necessarily, but let's just say it was, like, definitely a murder involved and possibly a kidnapping. I don't know. Just going to throw that out there. But what was interesting was someone in the person's family who had died as a result of this had actually gone to see this person in prison. And when they the visit was over, they told the judge, like, you should let him out. Anyways, I said to the judge, like, after hearing the facts of the case and just understanding, like, resentencing and Miller versus Alabama case, I told him that I thought the person should be let out. And he said that was exactly what he was going to do. Just want to throw that in there. Now back to today's case. Let's get into some of the sources for today's episode. I watched Truth About Murder, which is by Sonny Hostin. And that's on, I think, Investigation Discovery, but I will link it because I was watching it on Discovery+. Plus. I also read a bunch of articles, some from CBS News, some from Eleven Alive, The Cinemaholic, just a bunch of different things, and those will be linked as well. And you guys can look at all of today's sources and pictures at itsthemysteryforme.com. Buckle up as we head back to Georgia, Powder Springs in particular, to the year 2013. This is the Danielle Marshall story. Danielle was born on March 17th of 1989. There wasn't much information about her dad in articles or even on the show, but she was really, really close to her mom, Gloria, and Gloria was featured on the show. Gloria says that they did literally everything together, from going out to eat, to getting Manny petties to going to the movies, etc. Sounded like a really fun time, right? Mm-hmm. We love doing Sounds that. like you and mom, actually. Yeah, kind of does. Mm-hmm. Or me and you, but you're usually like, I'm too busy. I don't do movies, and we never get petties together. That's you and mom. True. That is true. Well, her mom reminisced about Danielle's excitement when it came to taking on new challenges, like rollerblading. And she talks about how much Danielle loved to play dress-up in her clothes, meaning her mom's clothes. I thought that was so cute. Her mom's, like, face just lit up talking about her, by the way. She's just, like, super excited Mm -hmm. to share all good things about Danielle. I know that Danielle had a brother because he's mentioned, but briefly, his name is never given, but they basically say that he was around two and a half years older than her and that they had a sibling, like a friendly sibling competition thing going on. And if you have siblings, it's like, you already know how that goes. 
right? Like a little bit of competition. I'll race I mean, you down the hill. Yeah. Yeah, you know. that kind of, yeah. <laughs> All right. Last one to the cars, Ron Egg, shotgun. I was like, I don't even compete. I don't have to. But you're right. What the? Oh, my God. All right. You're right. Well, Danielle graduated from high school around 2007. And after that, she actually started working at Goodwill. How interesting is that? Mm. Our brother worked at Goodwill for, like, a season. I don't know. But Goodwill is, like, you know, you got some good stuff in there. If you get there early enough. Yeah, when they, they do. You know, whenever they get the new inventory in. So she worked there for a while. And her mom says, basically, she was kind of in this stage of her life where she was just trying to figure out things. And I get it, right? Because at 18, do we really have things figured out? I think a lot of us just ended up in college because that's what we were told to do, mm-hmm. right? So we all went straight through. But yeah, she wanted to take some time and her mom was like, all right, cool. It looks like Danielle actually ended up spending more time at Goodwill than anticipated because she ends up meeting her boyfriend, Josh, there at some point. Um, actually, that point was when she was 22 years old. So you figure she's been there for about four years. When she met Josh, he was around 24-ish, 25 possibly. The show never pinpoints his birthday, and I try to find articles after the fact, and they're kind of obscure as well. Hmm. Gloria says she met Josh here and there very casually because Danielle still lived at home, and so he would he would come through sometimes. But what was her impression of him? Yeah, that I mean, that actually does come up on the show. She says, like, basically she didn't really have anything to form an impression on. Like, she barely spoke to him. She just knew, like, that her daughter seemed happy. And then before you know it, within six months, boom, Danielle is pregnant. And Gloria is not super happy about this. Mainly because of what I just said. She didn't really know him like that. And she felt like it was too soon. And she wondered, like, does Danielle know him like that? But I mean, I don't know. She got pregnant six months into their relationship. Yeah. You don't think that's enough time to, like, get a feel about who a person is? Six months? I think it's enough time to get a feel of who someone is. But, like, I don't know. Having a kid is a huge decision. I could hang out with you for six months and you might be a great partner. And I might, I just might not see you. And, you know, maybe you're not a good dad maybe I haven't seen you in those circumstances yet like have I seen you around nieces and nephews have I seen you around your like cousins I don't know if you're let's say the relationship is going really well which is what it seems what seems to be happening at this point Mm -hmm. okay fine but what if it is a tumultuous relationship where there's maybe some domestic violence and stuff you know in the six months period rolls around but it's really because you you can't find the will to leave you you're afraid to leave you know what i'm saying so is six months really a lot of time you know right if you think of it that way it's like it's a case by case basis right i guess right so either way gloria was definitely a supporting and doting grandmother and around march 2012 danielle ended up having her baby girl whose name is ava I love that name, guys. I want to name my kid Ava. Mm-hmm. So I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh. But here's the kicker. Josh had a whole other girlfriend during this time. Did Danielle know about the other girlfriend or? She found out while she was pregnant, while she was like seven months pregnant, because he moved in with the other girlfriend. And if that's oh. not enough, if that's not enough, mm-hmm. by the time she gave birth to Ava... His other girlfriend was pregnant. Five months. Wow. Can you imagine going through this? And this is your first child. You're hoping, you know, for a very smooth pregnancy, no Mm -hmm. stress. And then this BS is going on. So if Gloria, her mom, didn't like him already or was like kind of like, I don't know what to make of him. She really hated him now. And once your mom hates him... Man, there's, there's no coming back from there's that. No there's coming no coming back. back. Once, once the parents know and stuff, ooh, it's hard to come back from that. Mm-hmm. So he would still come around to see Ava. And Danielle's journals would later reveal that she was still intimate with him, even after the fact. 
And I can kind of understand that because she's probably just confused. You know what I mean? She's pregnant. She's emotional. You know what I'm saying? She's trying to make sense of it. You want to hold it together for your your kid, you know? And she's super young at this point and impressionable. Mm-hmm. So we ain't judging you, girl. But But life keeps moving. And like I said, Danielle continues to live with her mom. But now Ava's there. And Josh is living with his girlfriend, whose name is Davida, by the way. And he just comes back and forth, basically, like, let me see Ava and OK, I'm going home now and things like that. So all seems to be going well. I don't know if Danielle's working at this point because they didn't give that type of information in the story. Once, you know, once the baby comes along, we don't really know. I do know that Danielle's mom, Gloria, was working. They don't say what she did, but she seemed to work night shifts like she would leave the house maybe around like eight ish. Or maybe a little earlier and come back around like one in the morning. Let's say she worked Mm -hmm. like from four to one. They weren't really clear, but it was, you understood that she was not there during like the late portions of the night, which kind of makes sense because maybe that's how Josh was like coming over and, and seeing Danielle and they were like, you know, doing the thing, doing the deed. And the mom probably didn't know because it was happening when she was probably at work. If you already think the story is insane, just hold on. It is. It is already crazy, so. Right. So how bad can it get? Mm-hmm. You just wait. Let's talk about the day before the murder. We're now in January 13th, 2013. Gloria was on her way to work, and before she goes to work, she always gives Ava a kiss. You know, she's just like really, you know, any grandma, just a doting grandma, loves their grandkids. You know what I'm saying? She gave her a kiss. And then Danielle looked at her and was like, mom, what about me? You're not going to give me a kiss? And she's like, you too girl for that girl. You too girl. And, you know, playing around because obviously she loves her kid, too. Right. Mm -hmm. She loves Danielle. And she ends up leaving the house after that. And that ends up being the last time she actually saw her. So on the show, she has like a complete breakdown telling the story because she's just like why didn't I just give her that kiss like why didn't I give her that kiss this time and it's like so much guilt you know wow it's always eerie stuff like that yeah yeah but yeah it's eerie it's so eerie and it's Mm -hmm. very sad so let's talk about what happens when the mom leaves the house Josh ends up texting Danielle and it's around 9 p.m at this point he was supposed to come by to see Ava And he texted her and said something like, you know, I can't make it tonight. I'll see you tomorrow. And she's like, okay, cool. No problem. At around 12 a.m., he changes his mind. And he texts her and says, you know what? I'm going to come by and see Ava. Which I'm like, okay, it's like after midnight. That's a little late. Right. At this point. Trying to wake the baby up. Right. At this point, remember, he's living with Davida. Davida has given birth. Because at this point, Ava is about nine months old. Mm. So that tells me Davida has given birth. Maybe the baby's around three, four months old. I don't know. Y'all do the math. But you're getting up in the middle of the night to do this. I don't know. For me, I already was like, huh, what's going on there? So he sent her that text saying he was coming by, but she never responded. So he went anyways. And on January 14th, 2013, because now it's the wee hours of the morning, right? The next day. Mm-hmm. He makes a call to 911. He's standing outside of Danielle's house that she shares with her mom. And he says, I'm at my ex-girlfriend's house and I hear my baby crying inside. She's not responding to me. I think something's wrong. But the way he says it, if you guys watch the episode, is literally in the first few minutes of the episode, by the way. It just sounded so cold. Mm. So matter of fact. I think I hear my baby crying. I mean, if your baby's crying, why not try and get in the house, which is what the police asked when they got there because he was still outside, y'all. The police realized that the back door was unlocked, so they just went through the back door. So that's why they were wondering, like, wait a minute, you didn't even try the doors? All yeah, right. you would think if you hear your, your child crying right, that you would do anything to try and get inside. Exactly. Even if you have to break a window yep. or whatever. Yep, you're going to do what you got to do. Yeah. So they go through the back door and they find Danielle laying in the middle of the kitchen with a pool of blood around her head. A single gunshot wound to the head had killed her. 
And according to the CBS 46 article, she had also been pistol whipped beforehand. It's around probably one in the morning and the mom gets home from work and she sees this police presence. And they have to tell the mom that your daughter has been killed. Your daughter is dead. The mom just lost it right there. So where was baby Ava? Baby Ava was crawling around Danielle, like right near the blood and stuff. Just crying, crying, Ugh. crying. So you figure at this point, we know that she was alive around nine o'clock because Josh texted her and she responded. But between then and the second time he texted her at around midnight, there's no response. So you figured something must have happened between that time. And that's kind of where the investigation part comes in. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the crime scene evidence first, and then I'll get into suspects and interviews. So they did not find any DNA evidence of the killer at the scene. So they didn't find anything foreign, basically, right? The DNA they probably found was from Ava, Danielle, or her mom, Gloria, right? Just people who lived in the house who would have their DNA, DNA in there. Mm-hmm. But they did not find the DNA of the killer. They did recover the bullet from inside of Danielle's head. But they noticed also there was a bullet hole inside of the cabinet. So that tells them that there must have been a struggle before Danielle was ultimately killed. It was lodged. It it should have been lodged in the cabinet. But when they opened it, they realized that whoever had done it had taken the bullet with them. Hmm. And that's really all they found at the crime scene. They just they described it as being otherwise like pretty tidy. And we kind of saw this in the Chiquita case, Chiquita Tate case. Remember, it was such a bloody scene. That one was shocking. I was thinking about that. That one was shocking and like no DNA linking whoever to that scene, like the killer to the scene. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to go ahead and look at the list of suspects that they had. Well, obviously, Josh. Bingo. Number one was Josh. Maybe Davida. Uh-huh. Okay. His girlfriend. Yes. That's all that I have so far. Or maybe someone that was obsessed with her if she still worked at Goodwill. I don't know. Okay. Why Why if she still worked at Goodwill? I mean, what does that have to do with someone being obsessed with her? Oh, you mean like someone just picked up an obsession? I just thought you were trying to correlate obsession with Goodwill. <laughs> and I was like, wait. I mean, like, I'm thinking in terms of a customer. Maybe I, okay. I said it. Maybe I said it weird. Okay. All valid points. But yes, we'll start with Josh. Of course, they bring him in for questioning because he was still at the scene of the crime when they arrived. Let me tell you this. Josh had such a cool and calm demeanor. He had an alibi, of course. He says that he was home with Davida between those hours of like 9 to like 12 something, right? And he says he left the house at around 12 to go see his daughter. He tells them like they could look at his cell phone records and stuff. And it does show that he was at his house. Like his cell phone was pinged at his house? Yes, it pinged off the tower. I mean, he could have just left it there. I mean, yes. I mean, there know. we go. I mean, that that is definitely one way to do one it. One way to get away with murder. Right. You know. Normal. You see, don't after, take your soul after phone doing with these you. cases so many times and watching <laughs> true crime our whole lives, like Norma's just like, yeah, I'm not falling for this. <laughs> they asked him, of course, point blank if he killed her. And he said, no, I did not hurt Danielle. But Danielle has tried to hurt me. I'm sorry. What? At this point, I'm like, boy, what the heck? Because he says this at the tail end of the, the interview, right? They're about to, like, say, okay, you can go. And then he's he just throws this in. He but points- that looks bad because now it's kind of like you're giving the cops an idea that there was motive to take care of her before she took care of you. Well, here, let's talk about this incident that he's talking about. <sighs> Come on, Josh. He points to an incident specifically that happened two weeks before Danielle's murder. At the end of December 2012, he was supposed to go to Danielle's house that night. He was on the phone with her and he said to her, I'm going to stop at my parents' house first and then I'm going to come by and see Ava. And she said, "Okay." Now, the show does not say how far his parents' house was from Danielle's house or anything like that. But this is what happens next. His car is suddenly shot up. Yes, two bullets Grace, well, it doesn't grace his car. It penetrates his car. 
two of them. It, it breaks the windows and everything. He calls 911 immediately to report it. And if you listen to the 911 call, he's like, someone just shot up my car. It was definitely my ex-girlfriend, Danielle. He doesn't even say ex-girlfriend this time. He's like, it was the mother of my child, Danielle. And they're just like, how, how do you know it was her? He's like, I just know it was her. He didn't have any serious injuries from this. He just had like a scratch on his face, which they thought was from like the glass. Wait, he was in the car yes. at the time? Yes, he was driving when this happened. Oh my gosh. Yes. Wow. Yes. It was a drive-by shooting. Right. Oh, damn. Okay. So they investigated it at that time and they talked to Danielle immediately. And Danielle doesn't have a car. She was literally just home with Ava. And they looked at her cell phone records and it showed that she was home and it didn't show that she had called anybody or arranged for anything. So they cleared her. They were just like, it definitely wasn't her. Maybe it was someone else. And that was that. Sounds like someone else wants him gone. Right. And the cops also add that they thought it was weird that, you know, his... His car was shot up literally just like a block or two from his parents' house and that he just stayed there where it was shot up at and didn't drive to his parents' house for safety. They thought that was weird. They're like, if your car is being shot at, wouldn't you just drive to your parents' house? Like, wouldn't you be afraid and just be like, oh my gosh, I'm almost there. Like, let me get there. Yeah. So they thought, huh, that's weird. But because he mentioned, you know, that Danielle had it out for him, they looked into police reports and over 16 months there had been 11 police reports between Josh and Danielle. Yeah, domestic violence stuff. And DeVita was even involved in some of them. They did not elaborate, though. I could not find it online because usually domestic violence stuff is sealed. So you can't really find that online. Um, Where it does come up is, let's say, like, something else happens, like a murder and stuff, like, Mm -hmm. then that might be a part of, like, an appeal, and so you might see details of, like, a restraining order or something like that. I have a, I mean, I have a few, I have a few questions at this point where I'm just, like, as I was watching this show, I'm, like, all right, so maybe the person who shot at Josh was the one that killed Danielle. Maybe it was DaVita. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like she's in the mix. She's mixy. So I don't know. But that was basically all the stuff that the police uncovered at the time of Josh's interview. And they end up letting him go. And then they bring in DeVita for questioning. And they ask her, tell us your alibi. And she says on the night of the shooting, she went to her brother's house after she got off of work. And she got off of work at the same time that Gloria normally goes to work. But again, they didn't say what time it was. So let's say like, She got off at like 4 p.m. and Gloria goes into work at 4 p.m. And no, it's not the same job. They just they just were mentioning this because they're like, huh, does she have, you know, she had opportunity, right? If Gloria Mm -hmm. was at work and Danielle's at home and you got off of work at the same time Gloria goes in, you had time. Mm -hmm. But she said she went to her brother's house and then she went to use an ATM machine and her car declined. So she had to go back to her brother's house and then she went back to the ATM machine. All this stuff was proven, though by video surveillance. Mm. But they do ask her like, do you own a gun? She says no. And then they ask, does your brother own a gun? And her brother does own a gun. So they bring in the brother for questioning. And they wanna know from him, you know, what kind of gun do you have? And it looks like they run some tests and it turns out that it's not the same gun used in the shooting of Danielle. Hmm. Or rather her murder. Oh, yeah. And Davida also confirms that Josh was at home during that time period, right? Like 9 p.m. to midnight and that he did leave after midnight to go and see Danielle and Ava. So the cops at this point, they do feel confident enough to cross off Davida from the list and to cross off her brother. But I should say we have a third suspect and it's kind of I know you're probably like, who is it? Turns out. It's Jeremy, who is Danielle's ex. And how do they get Jeremy's name? Because of Josh. He name dropped Jeremy during his interview. And he says that, you know, Danielle was trying to rekindle her relationship with Jeremy and stuff. And he had met him once, but, you know, it could be him. So they bring him in for questioning. And Jeremy is 
super chill, but he is really shocked to hear that she had been murdered. Like, he's, like, horrified. So they knew right then and there, like, eh, I don't think he did it. Um, and he says, like, you know, he did meet Josh, and he thought that Josh was very, very controlling. And he says that Danielle said the same thing. But they asked him, okay, so do you think anyone would kill Danielle? And they're kind mm-hmm. of like, I feel like when they ask him this, they kind of like, kind of saying, do you think Josh did it? And he says, like, I honestly don't know who would have done this. So now they're back to square one. There's no mm-hmm. DNA evidence, evidence tying anybody to the scene. They don't have anything to go on. And before you know it, the case goes cold. It's now 2014, and a custody battle is going on between Josh and Gloria because Gloria has had Ava ever since Danielle was murdered. She's been raising Ava, but Josh wants Ava Mm. full time. Police suggest to Gloria to go on TV and kind of just plead to the public for answers for her daughter's murder. So she does this, and Josh gets very upset about this. He feels like it's going to interfere with his custody case and he just feels like they're targeting him and they're just like, we're just asking for information to try and solve the murder of your child's mother. Like, wouldn't you want us to do that? So Mm -hmm. the cops really didn't feel like he was really upset about the custody thing. They felt like, okay, maybe he's trying to hide something. So around this time, the cold case unit ends up opening in Cobb County, Georgia, which is where the case takes place. And they decide to take on Danielle's case. And they find a few things, a few pieces of important evidence. They find Danielle's journal, and it details Josh and his strange behaviors. Now, I paused the screen for a second so I could read some of it, and it says something like, Josh brainwashes me. He's manipulative. He's controlling. There's even an entry where she Mm. says, like, it's getting out of hand. I don't know what to do. Like, he is crazy. I'm afraid. Like, so the entries really start building up after time. And that's how they were able to confirm, like, okay, she did have some sort of relationship with him still after she gave birth to Ava, right? Mm -hmm. But the journals were very telling that, like, her relationship with Josh was changing for the worse and she was in fear of her life they also look at the bullet that they were able to retrieve from her head and they compare it to the bullet from the car from the car shooting with josh Mm -hmm. and what do you know it's a match okay so whoever was trying to kill josh killed danielle yes it was the same gun very very fishy Here's the last piece of evidence that really ends up cracking the case wide open. They look at cell phone records for the night of the car shooting and the night of Danielle's murder. And for these cell phone records, they look at Davida's phone and Josh's phone. And what they notice is on both nights around the time of these events, there's one number that was called each time. So the night of the shooting, He called somebody. And then on the night of Danielle's murder, Davida calls someone from her phone. And it's the same person they're calling. So who is this person? It's suspect number four, and his name is Jay, and he's Josh's best friend. So let's take a deep dive into Jay really quick. Jay does not have a criminal history, criminal background, anything like that. They decide to press Jay at work. They ambush him, basically. They watch him for a few weeks, and then they basically show up at his job, and his manager escorts him into a room, and they hit record on the recorder, and it's game time. And does Jay ask for an attorney? Of course not. I mean, listen, I'm not on Jay's side, but anytime, I think like a lawyer, though. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking as a lawyer, and I'm like, you're not supposed to really, I mean... What's best for you is not to speak to anybody without a lawyer. But Jay, are they interrogating him? At this yes, point? yes, they're interrogating him. So let's see what they find. Do out. they read his Miranda rights? They don't talk about that. Oh. I'm sure they probably did. Yeah, but sometimes they don't. Right? It kind of mm-hmm. just depends. They they try to see like, oh, is this person really going to care? Like, is this someone who's going to know they have rights? Uh, 
they said that Jay just appeared really nervous. He was like, what is this about? And they're like, we're the code case unit and we're looking into Danielle's murder. And they said like his whole demeanor changed. Like he was just afraid. And they basically ask him, why is it that your phone number comes up? And he's like, I'm Josh's best friend. And they're like, well, were you with him on January 14, 2013? Or even January 13, 2013, right? Because it's like, eh, it's like kind of straddling both days. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, I was. They're like, okay. He's like, I got a, a text from Davida's number on that night. And it was from Josh. And he's like, come pick me up because let's go to Danielle's house. I think she wants to have a threesome with us. We thought this story couldn't get crazier. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. So he hits up Jay and he's like, come pick me up. Let's go to Danielle's house. From Davida's cell phone? From Davida's cell phone. Davida apparently is asleep at this point in time. So then he leaves the house. He doesn't take his phones. He goes in Jay's car. And they drive over to Danielle's house. Jay already is like, he wasn't really feeling it because he's like, the baby's still awake. Like, what's happening? So he goes in the house and it seems like Josh asks Danielle, like, yeah, threesome. And she, I feel like she's probably like, what the hell is going on? No, like, this isn't happening. Mm-hmm. So Jay's like, okay, we could leave. Like, what the hell? Like, why you bring me out here for this, you know? So he goes back in the car. He says he turns up music and stuff. And then Josh, of course, says what? I forgot something in the house. I'll be right back. He goes into the house for three or four minutes. And then he comes out. And then they leave. Jay says he did not hear anything. He was playing music. But this is my thing with Jay. If you've ever heard a gunshot, it's it's loud. Mm-hmm. It's loud. You're not going to be able to block it out really with music mm-hmm. i mean how loud was the music you in a residential <laughs> neighborhood mm-hmm. you telling me your stereo is all the way up i don't know i just to me i'm like uh you really didn't hear anything i don't know that's it's highly strange. unlikely for sure that he didn't hear anything. i feel like maybe he heard something and was like oh hell no mm-hmm. i didn't hear nothing i didn't see nothing you know i'm just gonna keep my mouth shut keep, yeah i'm gonna stay out of this so he drops off Josh back at home with Davida, right? And then this is what the police think happened. They think that Josh then wakes up Davida and he sends a text to Danielle, who he knows is not going to answer because he's already murdered her at this point. And he's like, I'm coming over now to see Ava. And he just wakes up Davida and says, like, I'm going to um, Danielle's house to see Ava. And, you know, it's enough that Davida is able to give him an alibi, right? She thinks he's been home this whole time if she was asleep. Um, he conveniently wakes her up to let her know he's on his way out of the house. So he really he really thought he this put some through. thought into yeah. this. Yeah. This is premeditated mm-hmm. to us to such an extent that I have not seen in any of the cases we've done so far. Yeah. I agree. Lord, and we're not even at the end, y'all. So they make Jay text Josh and he says something like, how you got me mixed up in a murder? It was supposed to be a threesome. What the hell, man? And Josh texts him back and the detectives are definitely interested in um, Josh's response. It's definitely interesting. He says, man, don't worry. I didn't do it. Like, I know who did it. I didn't do it. And the detectives say on the show, like, that's how we know Jay didn't do it. Because that was Josh's opportunity to be like, you know you did it, man. You were in the house. Like, I saw you go in the house and blah, blah, blah. But he didn't say that. He was like, don't worry about it. I know who did it. Like, chill. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not even like that. So they knew at that point, like, oh, Jay is not involved. Like, this is all Josh. I mean, I don't know. Do you think Jay is involved? No, I don't. I don't think so either. He seems too scared. I, mm-hmm. But I do feel like uh, the chances of you hearing a gunshot, I feel like he might have heard it. Because not just one gunshot. Remember, two went off. The one that hit the cabinet. So I'm like, true. Um, I don't know. That's a little weird to me. But then how do we explain Josh, Josh's car and Josh in the car being shot at? 
with the same gun. So how do we explain that? So basically, this is what he got Jay to shoot at him. Like, what is going on? So I don't know if he got Jay to shoot at him, but they they are theorizing that he basically shot his car up himself. That's wild. See, that is next level. That's some next level. I honestly thought that when you first told me, but I was just like, no, no no one would actually do that. You're like, no one's that crazy. No one would go that far. But, I mean, we've seen people go pretty far, but this is like very far. I mean, Mm -hmm. he done crossed the damn finish line. He on some other, he's somewhere far down the street. Like, what the hell is this? Mm -hmm. So where are we at now? We're at the trial. And he is hit with a bunch of charges because while he's awaiting trial, he talks to someone at the jail and he tells them that he wants to have his best friend murdered so that he doesn't testify against him. So he gets hit with a solicitation charge. He's already being charged with murder. He's being charged with cruelty to a child. He's being charged with all kinds of stuff. Mm -mm. And it has taken the prosecution five years to build this case. It is now 2018. They interviewed Jay in 2014, in the beginning of 2014. And the murder happened in the beginning of 2013. Wow. So it's taken five years for the trial to happen. According to an article from 11 Live, Josh tried to plead guilty to charges while a witness was on the stand testifying during his trial. He got up and he's like, I want to plead guilty. And then some sort of ruckus happens. And guys, according to 11 Live article, (laughs) to the 11 Live, I mean, it's a weird website name, 11 Live, Josh backhands his lawyer. He slaps his lawyer. What the hell? It just gets weirder and weirder. I'm like, you done slapped your lawyer? Why? And I don't know if the lawyer then asks to be taken off the case. They don't elaborate. But I know he backhanded him because it comes up in different articles. I'm like, oh, you mad. You mad for something you did. You next level crazy, but okay. So what happens? The jury deliberates for like 45 minutes. And of course, they come back with a guilty verdict. And in 2018, Josh gets life in prison without the possibility of parole. Ava is living with her grandmother at this point. His other child with Davida is clearly just with Davida. Mm -hmm. And now he's going to jail. It's like, Come on, you've taken, now you've taken yourself out of the parental role. Like, you know, Ava's going to have to just be raised by her grandmother and she probably won't have a relationship with her dad, right? Because he murdered her mom. Right. Yeah. And yes, it was hard for the prosecution to prove it. And I think that's why they took five years to get there because it's all circumstantial. Mm -hmm. But on the show, the prosecutor emphasized that like circumstantial is not a negative word, right? Like if you take a step back, And the puzzle pieces, you know, start to fit. It's easy to put the puzzle together. Mm -hmm. I I kind of agree in this case. I do feel like Josh did it. I, you know, he had opportunity. He had motive. He was at the scene of the crime. His friend could place him at the scene of the crime. And yes, they, the way they, and I should say also, like, the way they were able to place the friend there and really press him is because they looked at his cell phone records, too. And it outlined literally the path he took there. It outlined the fact that he was at the house. He was at Josh's mm-hmm. house, too. So Damn. they had him on candid camera. They had him. Say cheese. They got you now. So there wasn't much for him to do other than to just be like, okay, fine, I'm going to testify. And again, he was, like, really nervous and... They were like, he just didn't seem like that type of dude that was involved in this type of stuff. So mm-hmm. all of that to say, the story is not over yet. Because a week after his conviction, Josh commits suicide. Well, that's very cowardly. So cowardly. I'm like, oh, hell no. You don't took yourself out the game. Because what? You got caught for what you did? You thought you were so smart. Turns out your IQ ain't that high. Okay? And you got mad. And now what? You offed yourself? So was there really justice in this case? No. He didn't really get to feel it, right? He didn't get Mm -hmm. to pay for his mistakes by 
having to spend his life in prison thinking about Take it every day. Mm-hmm. He took the easy way out. But Ava, Ava doesn't get to take the easy way out. Gloria doesn't take the easy way out. None of your family gets to either. It's just like what he did was senseless. He did something that he didn't even have to do. Like, what's your what's your real what's the end game here? Right. You know, I, I just what don't What the hell is the end game? I just don't get it. This isn't the Avengers movie. What the <laughs> hell were you trying to do? It's just to me, it just seems just really stupid really stupid because you want full custody of your daughter but you murder her mom yeah it just doesn't make like you don't think your daughter is going to be smart enough to figure that out he placed himself at the scene like why would you do that like why would you pretend and be like oh yeah i'm texting i'm coming over it's like you're putting yourself at the scene of the crime because he thought he was smarter than everybody else but turns out he's a damn Clearly fool. we're not. He's Gosh. Boo-Boo the Fool. That's what mm-hmm. he is. But anyways, that is the Danielle Marshall story. It was twisty. Did I not say y'all say that to y'all? Mm-hmm. It was a twisty story. I told y'all it would be. You probably have a neck brace on now. <laughs> I don't know. My neck is hurting. But we're sending well wishes to... Danielle's family and to her daughter Ava and to just anybody involved, you know, and who who suffered from this tragedy. They did show Ava at the end of the show and she is just like thriving. She's mm-hmm. thriving. I mean, at this point, I think she's around eight years old. And she looks exactly like her dad, Josh, whose full oh, name really? is Josh Gib- Gibson, by the way. Joshua yeah. Gibson, if you want to look him up. But again, all this information is linked. So go ahead and check out our website for more information. And there's that. Another Tuesday. Norma's just like... Another Tuesday, another senseless tale. No, really. What will next week bring? I don't know. But stay tuned and find out. Be safe, y'all. See you next Tuesday. Bye.